Hey everyone, it's Jake here. Thanks for joining in to the Wellspring Podcast. If you're ready to be encouraged, but also challenged to live a bold life for Jesus and get rid of the old useless traditions of man, well, you've come to the right place. So buckle up and let's dive into this week's message. This year, um, I have a lot in my heart, and I've been praying for a while about this year and how it will kind of unfold in a lot of the messages. And I've asked the Lord, um, I said, Lord, I don't want to just share a bunch of messages. I really want us to go somewhere this year. I mean, I really want us to, to grow and be stronger and better and more courageous and more mature and more purified. You know, I want us to get to the end of the year and actually have grown. And I believe that's kind of part of our core, and I don't I need to say this more, is that our heart is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I love that term, growing relationship, because that's, that's, isn't that all relationships? That we, we're either growing or dying. And the re- reason I know that is because in natural life, stages change. So if you don't grow or learn in that stage, then you become a dumber version of yourself because it's new. You know, you know less about this stage than you did the last stage. And what I mean by that is say, like, now I have two grown adult daughters. Well, I'm fairly new at that. I'm not new at having daughters, but I am new to having a grown adult daughter. And so for me now, I have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need to seek you on how, how do I, how am I there for my grown adult daughter? Because when she was in diapers, I knew how to be there for her, right? You, you change the diapers, you make sure they don't run in the highway, you, but, but later things change, and life changes. Marriages change, we're in different seasons. Life is constantly changing. So our life with Jesus has to be constantly growing maturing and when we start depending on I mean I, I I mean I felt like I was a pretty good girl dad when they were little and if I went on that same man I'm good at the well see that doesn't really help me in the stage I'm in now that's why I believe import the importance of going to the word going back to the word going back to that prayer room closet for the stage that you're in now, for the time that you're in now, because things change and change can be good. Do you know when change is good? When change is good. Some change is not good. So change is not always good. It's only good when change, the change is good, right? So this year, Let's be resolved in our hearts. Lord, come and grow us, change us, so that we can be better, more like you, more mature in whatever we're doing. Which leads me 
to what I've titled this today. Hope again. Hope again. If you're taking notes, want to write that down? It's very clear. Hope again in 2024. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow. There's a, this is a great scripture. There's a lot packed. There's a, just go ahead and write first Peter chapter one, verse three through five. You could stay there. I believe you could stay there all week. You could probably study different things in this scripture all week. But the one part that I want to pull out today is, that our hope is in God. And he is the living hope. He's, he's not just the one we hope in. He is hope. He's given us the living hope through Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus. And so it's, he is living and he has let us now be a part of the life that only he gives, which is a word that some of y'all may be familiar with, the Zoe, Zoe life. That's that God-given, God kind of life, the life that only he can give. This world has a lot to try to offer us. I mean, they offer us a lot of things. They can offer us happiness. They can offer us all the fun and all, all the things, but we know that that is not lasting. It's sweet for a season, and seasons change. And so there are things that can be planted in a season that can grow not good fruit when it comes to the world's way or system. So sin, man, it, we, we sowed a lot of, in that, that sin season, and then we can reap seasons after of consequence, Right, we kind of we kind of sow wrath unto ourselves in that see those seasons. But whenever we get our hope in God, see when we trust in Him, He gives us the Zoe kind of life, which gives us the God kind of life, and our hope and our trust is in Him, and our hope in Jesus. One, He's making all things new. Not just in our our life, but it's also there's a new heavens and a new earth. I don't know how all that's going to look or work, but I just know at the end, if your faith is in Jesus and you endure to the end, you will be saved from the wrath of this world and the things that belong to the devil. Can I get a witness? So our hope is in him. So this life, and I said this earlier, that when we depend on him, like the song said, that I need him, I need his love even more than the breath that I, the air. Take the air away. 
I'll be just fine. Well, you'll be dead. And that's gain. That's gain. You know, there are things that have to be, uh, Heidi has talks a lot about this. There are things in our life that we set up as what we would call non-negotiable. Like we're not, we're not bringing this up for negotiation. Our life belongs to God. We will worship God. We will stand on his truth. We're not, we're, we're not going to give on those things. We're rooted in him. Our hope is in him. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> But those that place their hope in Jesus ultimately will not be disappointed. If you read that in, I think it's the New American Standard, it uses the term, will not be disappointed. A lot of the other translations says that if you, basically, you believe, trust in him, that you will, let's, let me read this. Let's just go there. Sometimes I'm bad about alluding, and I should just go read it. <clears throat> Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What should we say then, Gentiles, who did not pursue righteousness? Uh, let me start that over. What should we say then? Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness, namely righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not achieved righteousness of the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But if it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, look, I am putting a stone in Zion to stumble over and a rock to trip over. And the one who believes on him, okay, key words here, those who believe on him will not be put to shame not left out disappointed put to shame okay well don't we like that yay who's tired of being disappointed it's like whoo thank god i need to go to a church that will tell me i do not have to be so disappointed but hold on we have to make sure that we don't liken you know what liken it's it's kind of clumping it together as similar we don't liking having disappointment in life with god letting you down let me say this in other words we get a disappointment in our life and we connect it to God has let me down. We must disconnect that. When we walk in a way that when we have a disappointment, we connect that to, well, God didn't come through for me because I prayed it and it did not happen. We must disconnect that because that is putting your ultimate hope in Christ for salvation and chaining it to Things in this world, in this earth, that we have no control, a lot of, most of it, we have no control over. And then we also have what, I, what we're going to go over here in a second is very low-lying hopes that really shouldn't be that priority in our life. That when we get disappointed in that area, we 
clump that in with it that God just didn't hear us. He, he just he, I'm disappointed. But what the word says this, I won't be disappointed. I'm trusting in God. It's because we've got to clarify this. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not just pulling this out of a hat. We've talked to a lot of young people. We, I am a child of the faith movement, right? I, I mean, I came up under it. But there, there's been things that have happened in the teaching of living a life of faith. That if we're not careful, we start tying low-lying hopes and disappointments. And, and then we don't know how to... We don't know how to balance this sheet of, well, then why didn't God come through for me? And so it causes, it can cause turmoil, and I want to bring some clarity to that. Can we do that today? Our ultimate hope, everyone say ultimate hope. Our ultimate hope must be in God, not money, not stuff, not even people. People can be great in your life. How many have great people in your life? I have a great wife. I'm glad she is my wife. She does a great job. She is just amazing on so many levels, especially lately with the sourdough bread that she's been making. Oh, my gosh. She is like, whoo. I mean, it's so good. I mean, like just so many ways. Like, I'm, I'm, glad, she's, I'm glad she said yes, right? I say this, you know, I chose her among all the options. I chose her. But the truth is that... She chose me with all her options, right? So I'm blessed. Okay. My ultimate hope is not in her. My ultimate hope is in Jesus. Because, well, let me me try to go through this. She's a a wonderful wife, best friend, but she's a terrible God. Money is a wonderful tool, but it's a terrible God. So hope in God is the highest hope. We must protect that hope. If we're not careful, the cares of life can rob that hope. But all hope is not the same. And I actually brought this. I'm, I'm going to give um, a little bit of props to John Eldridge. Y'all know who he is. There's three classes of hope that I want to talk about that I had read in his book. We need to have we need to look at this, <clears throat> but there are there are keys to understanding how to handle disappointments in life. There's keys to processing this, this picture that life is giving us when not all is how we think it should be. That's happened a lot in my life. Like we have this picture of how it should be. You ever have a picture of like this is going to be great, and then you then you go and it's, it turns out not being that great. It's Heidi. I just remember what popped out of my mind was we went to Disney World years ago when the kids were tiny. Seth was like a year old. And she had this, you know, going to Disney World with little kids is fairly taxing. Like, why parents would ever do it, I don't know. That's why I only did it one time. But they have uh, the the late, late time you can go in and ride the rides, like almost after hours if you stay there. And so... We got the kids back, and Heidi's like, I just need a little time. Yeah, she's not riding anything. It's like, hey, sweetie, just go out and just go ride a few rides. It's like 10 at night. And so she's like, I'm going to go ride the Peter Pan ride. 
she had this, it's just going to be awesome. She gets this picture of mine of, this is going to be so much fun. I'll feel like a kid again. I won't have kids pulling on me. And she goes and gets on this Peter Pan ride. And I mean, if you go on those old Disney rides, they're almost kind of like nightmares now. Like some of the rides, you're like, man, I'm surprised kids aren't coming out here screaming at this. Like some of the little weird stuff, you know, they have. But anyways, she gets on the Peter Pan ride and it starts, starts going and there's nobody around. It's like, on a little ship dangling through the air and it's going through this warehouse and you know all of a sudden like the music stops and the ride shuts down and she's hung by herself no over never never land and just stuck in the middle of it like and it's it's just off music's off and she's just stuck there and yeah and so she ends up having this traumatic experience like, I mean, well, I'm snoring. I'm asleep, man. I'm like, kids are in bed, you know? And uh, I remember her, like, it was a whole deal. Like, I mean, she's told this story for the rest of the week. Like, everybody's got to hear every detail of her traumatic story of Peter Pan ride and how bad. It's so scary. Am I going to get out here? She was up there for like an hour, and I didn't know. And I could have, what if I need to use the bathroom? I mean, she went on and on and on about all the, I mean, this is traumatic. She's She's having PTSD from... This stuck on the top of a of a Peter Pan ride. <clears throat> that was there's other stories. That was just the one that came to my mind because she had this thought in her mind of how ooh yay you know what I mean it'll be it'll be good it'll be fun and you know ends up she's she's you know visiting a therapist telling her we we have to like coddle her the whole rest of the week because it's so traumatic you know it's hard, hard such a hard week. Such a hard week taking care of kids all day long, and I try to go ride, and I'm stuck up there. And we get these pictures in our mind of how things need to be. Y'all remember those shows called? That was like a maybe it was Reels, like Nailed It. You have the Pinterest, you know, cookies shaped like Santa Claus or a Christmas tree, and they're like it's got the cool music, and it's like nah, 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 you know, Nailed It, and it comes out how it actually looked. And it's funny because people try to do these things and they fail very bad. It's funny. Um, <clears throat> but then there are other ways that life catches us by surprise and it ends up being far better than we expected. We have those good things. First time I went to the mountains when I was a teenager, my parents were like, we're, we're going to go to the mountains. So well, I've, yeah, I've seen mountains. We've been to Arkansas. We ended up going to Colorado and we're on that road for what seemed like forever to get to Colorado. I mean, it's, it's a long ways. Our old junky van was breaking down. We were fixing along the way. And I mean, it just feel like it took us a long time to get there. And, but when we got there, I mean, we almost quit, went back to the house. I mean, like, dad came this close to be like, just forget it. We're going back. But when we got to the mountains, I woke up. My dad drove all night. Once he got the van where it would run, he's like, I'm not stopping. So we're driving. And I wake up and I come out and I'm just like, it's summer and there's snow. Wow. And it just blew my mind. And then the hiking and the camping and the sightseeing, it ended up being so much better than I could imagine. But it was still different than I imagined. I remember the first time I, do you remember the first time you saw the ocean? 
I mean, it's just, it's like kind of hard to describe. Like when you, just, you walk out there, it's like I can just sit here. And just, wow. It's awe-inspiring. And sometimes we're going down the long, straight, boring flatlands to get to the mountains. We get weary and we don't want, we quit before we get there. We lose hope before we get. There are some things that could be better than you think. Like you could have a better life, you could have a better marriage, you could have a better job, but getting through the flatlands has got to have some hope in the middle because I don't see it. I don't, just forget this. Just go back. Let's go back to Egypt. It's wilderness. Well, we don't even have onions out here. <laughs> Garlic. You know, let's go back to Egypt. Staying faithful, staying hope-filled in those times to get to that promised land. We've got to do that. So we know it can go both ways, okay? But our ultimate hope has to be in God. All right, I got to hurry. <clears throat> John Eldridge talks about this, three types of hope if you're taking notes. There's number one, casual hopes. Casual. Second one is precious hopes. And the third is ultimate hope. Our casual hope. A casual hope you may be having right now. I hope it doesn't ice again because I'm getting hungry. I want to go out to eat. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope the steak is not overcooked like last time. There's casual hopes, right? Like I hope it's good today. Like, you know, it's just, you know, I hope the, the fish are biting. I hope I get a deer. I hope... You know, I mean, just, they're just those hopes, but those are casual hopes. Your precious hope. That would be something like, I hope sister so-and-so gets a good report on her doctor's report. She's going through some health things. I hope this pregnancy goes well, not like last one had a hard time. I, I hope that I get that job, we're coming down to our last paycheck. If I don't get this job, I, I, I mean, we need this. See, these precious hopes are what fuel our prayers many times. Because, like, we need, uh, my kids are going to go hungry if I don't get this job. Your soul is secure. It has not touched your eternal hope, your ultimate hope. And then we know that ultimate hope is Eternal hope, Jesus is preparing a place for me, kind of hope, hope that God can forgive me, right? That's a that's an ultimate hope. I've messed up. I've done wrong. My hope is in the Lord for his forgiveness, his mercy. I'm, my hope's in him. My hope and trust, my faith is in him. Amen? That's where Hebrews 6.19 would say we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, doing what? Entering the sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So our ultimate hope, I mean, that's like an, that's an anchor that goes into the good ground, the, the unmovable uh, power of God. Now, we must not confuse these hopes. I'll take just a moment to talk about this. Make sure that we don't turn casual hopes into precious hopes. You will have lots of disappointment 
in life. If you turn a casual, what does that mean? Okay, you ever seen somebody that just really gets mad when the meal wasn't that good at, at Roadhouse? Whenever, can you believe this? They get, you know what I mean? You see people, they get all twisted up. I saw a thing that said road rage since really 2020. Road rage and on the highway uh, rage things has gone up like 50%. It's gone up. It's a lot. Like people getting mad. You cut them off. I mean, they are, they're just, they're mad. They're going to come after you. They're going to scream at you. They're going to flip you off. They're going to do, you know what I mean? Um, so <clears throat> we get depressed because it's raining. I mean, it's a casual hope, and we let that affect us in a way that's that it shouldn't. Okay, well, oh well, maybe it won't rain tomorrow. Like my trip got canceled because it's raining. It's a, well, it's not the end of the world. And so we turn casual hopes that are happening all the time, and when they don't go how we want. And we got twisted up. That mean that means that we've made that into a precious hope. And really, if the stake's tough, just get over it. Amen. It's probably more important that you're a light to the waitress. It's probably more important that you do it with dignity. Am I saying that you can't ever bring that up? No, I'm not. I'm not saying you can never ever say this. This is what I'm saying is that that our first thing is how we represent Christ and our light, our light shining. Amen. My voice is a little crunchy. That's what happens when I get to sing on the same day as I preach. <laughs> okay. And then, so we know what happens, casual and precious. The second one would be when we turn precious hopes into ultimate hopes. Okay. I hope my wife or my husband loves me. I hope that they don't die. See, there is a precious hope. But if we've turned a precious hope into an ultimate hope, well, if they die, if something happens, if they leave me, then I'm in now in a state of hopelessness. I'm in depression. And we've even had people that said they've even had thoughts of suicide. You know, those are things that are getting entertained. Because a precious hope did not get, it got disappointed. And now I'm shaken to my core. And now I'm doubting even my ultimate hope. Am, am I making sense? There's nothing wrong with precious hope. It's, we're not dissing anything about that. We, there's people that are loved ones. We need to be praying for them. Those, I would say that precious hopes is, is where the fuel for our prayers come in. Praying for those. Well, I'm praying for my, you know, I, I'm praying for my, you know, son-in-law and daughter. They, you know, their heat, they had a gas leak, you know, and they've been trying to keep that house warm. And while I'm praying, that's precious. I want them to be comfortable with that. So I'm praying for them. You know, that they'll get that going. I've, I've let that be a fuel to a prayer. But our ultimate hope can only rest on God. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. 
ultimate hope, it leaves you more than just heart sick if you lose that. When you lose faith in Christ and you choose to, to walk away for whatever reason, there are many that have done that, that's a, not a good place to be. Our hope must be in him, and our hope in him is not dictated by outward circumstances. Genesis 37, I'm going to, for the sake of time, just kind of paraphrase this, because we many know the story of Joseph whenever he had these dreams, and he told his brothers, and then his own brothers sold him into slavery. It's crazy. And then Joseph, in the middle of that, okay, I'm not going to read all of it, but i got to look at a couple of things. Genesis chapter 37. Come on, Bible. Stay open for me. Um, actually, let's go over to chapter 39 because we know that first part. He was sold into slavery. He ends up as a slave in Potiphar's house, an officer of Pharaoh, in chapter 39, verse 2. Now, he's, he's a favorite son. He's highly favored son, blessed, ends up getting sold by his family. He's now a, a slave. And in verse 2 of chapter 39, it says, see, in the middle of all that, it says the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. That's one thing we've got to remember, that, that the Lord being with you in the dark valleys is, is the promise. Psalms 23, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley, he is with me. That's He's... Not saying you'll never have darkness. He's just saying, I'm always going to be with you. Okay? In here, it says, you've been sold into slavery, but yet the Lord is with him, and he's successful. Now, how many would say, that does not sound very successful? If that happened to us, I got sold into slavery, taken away from my family, it, it's like, until I get out of that, I'm not, I don't think I would call myself blessed. How many of us would still be like, I'm still a slave. We'd be going on and on about the things. But yet here, even in the slavery, he became successful. That tells me that his hopes were much deeper than just Casual hopes, everything going right. Okay, now go down to verse 3. Uh, it says, the Lord made everything he did successful. Verse 4, Joseph found favor with his master. Verse 7, after some time, Potiphar's wife, you know the story, got eyes for Joseph. Joseph did what? He did what was right in God's eyes. He did right. 
right? He did all the things right. You know, I stayed in church. I was a tither. I stayed in here. I quoted the word. I kept my head up high. I did all right. He was still falsely accused and now thrown in prison. Okay. He refused to go to bed with her. No matter what, he's going to honor the Lord. In his honoring the Lord, hardship came. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. Well, Lord, the kindness may have been maybe the truth coming out and not going to prison. Come on, this, this is the word right here. See, we have this picture of how it needs to happen exactly. And if it's not like that, we're mad at God. Joseph kept his eyes on the Lord. He's in prison, but yet his heart posture being to the Lord to do his job, to do what was right each step of the way, it says the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and granted favor with the prison warden. Verse 23, because the Lord was with him and the Lord made everything that he did successful. If you go down through this, you see that many times. Everything he did, he made him successful. He gets sold. Everything he did successful. Fossil accused, no good report came out. He got thrown in prison. I mean, things happen in circumstances around him, and he kept his trust in the Lord. He followed the word of God no matter what was happening. And the Lord caused him to be successful. But what I'm talking about today is that when our idea of success sometimes is different than what God would say success is. And if that happens... I don't throw my hands up and be like, oh, I guess that's just not true. I guess, and we start doubting God. We start deconstructing. We start trying to figure all this out according to the wisdom of man. But we do flip to the end of the story here. We saw that Joseph went through all of that. And through his obedience, he actually was able to extend a helping hand of graciousness and mercy to even to his family, the ones that sold him into slavery. And even the people that falsely accused him ended up being blessed. See, Potiphar's wife, you don't really think about this, but she ended up being in the same country that was more blessed because of Joseph. And so his ultimate hope was in God and following his instruction. We shared this last week that Joshua said, they, the word came to Joshua and said, be strong and very courageous. Above all, be strong and very courageous to obey the word of God. Amen? We have metrics of what our normal success. But Joseph teaches us a lesson to keep your eyes on the Lord. Stay right with him. Do everything you can. I know it's a battle sometimes. Do everything you can to, to do what's right in his eyes. To seek wisdom of the word, to do what's right, and not lose hope and quit. Joseph was resilient.
If there was anybody that I could see out of the Bible that would show the ability to recover from hardship, that's Joseph. Most of us, if we were sold into slavery, I mean, you are human trafficked by your own family, sold into that. We would whine for the next hundred years. Yet Joseph was able to forgive and actually extend a hand. Wow, the powerful, the power of God, the power of forgiveness, the power of seeing his perspective and, and not allowing my own, my own, um, this own unforgiveness things start to grow and taking root. See, there's something God wants to do in us this year. He wants to build resilience. Joseph was resilient. Hardship after hardship. Yet, he was able to recover. That's a pretty good recovery. I mean, you're already a slave. And now, you're being falsely accused, thrown in prison. I mean, it's had to have gotten around. You know, just, just think about that. In closing, if you've had some disappointments, don't give up hope. Amen. Don't lose the, the wonder for your Savior and the life that's ahead of you. You may be in the long flatlands. You know, the flatlands, if you've ever gone to Colorado, it's like you have mile after mile after mile of just straight nothing, junky convenience stores for hundreds of miles. Right? I mean, it's just like goodness. And you can listen, don't stop, get to the next place. Don't allow misplaced hope to stop your progress in God. When we misplace hope and then it's deferred or disappointed, many times our progress with God is stunted. And so Satan's just, you're just out free for the picking for him because he can cause you to get disappointed in all kinds of things. We start, I mean, just think about media and advertising. Think about marketing. If you take this, you'll be happy. Take this pill, you'll be skinny. Take this here. I mean, they're setting people up for failure like nobody's business. Don't allow misplaced hope to stop your progress in God. There are greater things ahead. I believe this year, 2024, there's like a new crest of the hill. Okay, there's going to be a new horizon for us. There's things in your heart. There's dreams. There's hopes. Things you want to do, listen, all that's fine, all that's good, good on you, right? But let's make sure first that we are strong and courageous to obey the word of God. Do the best we can. How we vote this year, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to do the best we can to get ungodliness. Pray, do what we can to pray for those in authority. It's like, Lord, 
Let them change. Let them change your heart. We're praying for pro-life people in our governments. We're praying against this woke agenda that's trying to come in and stop the word of God. Those that were with me know that there is an agenda that the world has of an extremely loud minority that does want to stop what was happening right here this morning because the world can't replace that and they're mad about it. In fact, they're raging about it because what we have to offer, they can never give. And so they want to give what's just something to kind of tide them over for a little while. But I'm here to tell you, the gener this generation, Gen Z and Gen the next gen, they're starting to wake up to it. We're seeing it. They're going, you know, I'm not totally no common sense. Like they're starting to learn that that, that doesn't make sense. And I believe the devil's playing too many of his cards. We know too many of his tactics. And this is going to be a great year for the church to rise. Amen. So we're praying that God will continue to strengthen us as a church. What we're doing over here, Children's Church, what's happening in youth, what's happening with Pathway, the ministry we're getting involved with, all the different things that are happening. You just keep praying, keep believing. Each of you that go to work or you're home or you talk to that one neighbor, listen, don't over. I can't overstate how important it is to just to shine your light and not lose hope. It's easy to do. I get it. But keep your hope on him. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray for everyone in the room right now. Brothers and sisters, those that I don't even know. Lord, I pray that we'd all come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as our ultimate hope. That this life, it is short, it is but a vapor. Our physical body will not live forever. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us Jesus that died on a cross for our sin, paying the payment for sin, but you rose again to give us new life. I, I, I thank you, Lord, that we would all seek to know you Strive to know you more, to know your word. Jesus, we don't want to be a people that, that says we love you but refuse to obey your commands. Word said in John, that if you love me, you obey my commands. You do what I've asked. So, Lord, help us to have a revelation of your word and give us strength to walk it out. Help us to be strong and courageous to walk that out as we make you the Lord of our entire life. Every part, every compartment belongs to you. Thank you, Lord. Bless my friends. Lord, let them have a wonderful weekend. I pray that everything they put their hands to will be blessed as we occupy the land for you. Thank you for your light shining in us. In Jesus' name. Everyone says amen and amen. You guys have a wonderful afternoon.